What's happening guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Caffeinate Today for April the 15th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. Of course, for those that are brand new to the program, this is a daily gaming news podcast in which I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and I pack it up in one tight, neat little podcast for you to enjoy at your leisure. And today we have some pretty big news to break down because over the weekend, a lot of entertainment news in general came out about Star Wars. Of course, we saw the first trailer for The Rise of Skywalker, the official title for Episode 9, but in the gaming realm, we finally saw the unveiling of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, along with a release date of November the 15th. So we will talk more about what's happening over there behind the scenes at Respawn and the game that they are bringing to the table. Another report has suggested the Microsoft Xbox One S All Digital is going to be officially revealed this week, perhaps even tomorrow, April the 16th. Epic Games hires Infinity Ward and Respawn co-founder Jason West, which is a pretty exciting story uh, for those that are fans of Epic Games and for fans of the future of Epic itself. Sony blocked character transfers between platforms in Destiny 2, that is according to a report, which we will talk about for a brief moment. Sony automatically replaces PSN IDs it now deems offensive. Streaming karaoke game Twitch Sings, a free streaming karaoke game, I will say, is now live for everyone to take advantage of. And on top of that, an actress has teased the existence of Horizon Zero Dawn's sequel. It's something we all knew was coming, but hey, it's nice to know that it is actually happening. Uh, and all thanks to a small leak from a small live stream from an actress. And those are the stories for today's show. Again, the show is hosted live five days a week, Monday through Friday on twitch.tv slash Adams, but it's then taken down and put up on podcast services around the world as well as YouTube. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and start breaking down the hottest gaming news of the day. Respawn's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order arrives November the 15th, and it is a single-player game telling the story of a Padawan on the run. And I will say that going into the reveal, nobody was really sure what to expect. Of course, everybody was sure of the fact that it would not be a multiplayer game, but we didn't know quite how good this would look because it does look oh so good. Respawn has pulled back the curtains on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order after months of teases. A single player game is now due to launch on November the 15th and follows Cal Kestis, a Padawan trying to survive Emperor Palpatine's command to execute the Jedi, including the Inquisitors hunting the last remnants of the once Great Order. He starts as a scrapper trying to keep his head down, but he's invariably roped into a larger story and learns his importance to embrace the Force powers instead of keeping them suppressed. The company has not shown off gameplay just yet. However, it's teasing an innovative combat style with melee combos and, of course, lightsabers, as well as force powers. You will also need to rely on some acrobatics to counter enemies and solve the puzzles in your way. There will be a mix of new and iconic places, equipment and foes, including purge troopers that help the Inquisitors investigate the Jedi. It should be available for PC, PS4, and Xbox One, but Respawn is eager to avoid the pitfalls that have clouded EA's earlier Star Wars titles. This is a strictly single-player game and there are no microtransactions. You will not be goaded into buying new skins for Cal or your droid, BD-1 if you are curious. It's a bit of a departure for Respawn, given its reputation for multiplayer-first games like microtransaction-laden Apex Legends, but then Titanfall 2 is widely considered a cult hit for its storyline, and that strong pedigree bodes well. 
But again, the game itself is coming out on November the 15th and is without a doubt already poised to be one of the biggest games of the holiday season because people love Star Wars games. And although there has been a plethora of Star Wars content in every field of entertainment over the past couple of years, we haven't had a genuinely good single player Star Wars game in quite some time. In fact, the last one that I could consider uh, a successful good single player Star Wars game would probably be the Unleashed franchise, which came out uh, towards the beginning of the PS3 life cycle, and since then we haven't really had any kind of definitive single player Star Wars experiences. Uh, but Jedi Fallen Order is in the right hands. Respawn does some incredible work uh, when it comes to single player games. Of course, Titanfall 2 did have a pretty good story, uh, but it looks like they have taken what they learned and are taking that to the next level with Jedi Fallen Order. It looks phenomenal. And of course, the trailer is up now. If you did want to check it out, I checked this morning. It is now at number one on trending on YouTube, and for good reason, because it looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, this is probably, I would go so far as to say, uh, within my top three games that I'm excited to see for the rest of 2019, because I'm not necessarily an avid Star Wars fan. I'm not somebody who lives and breathes all of the movies, all of the comics, all of that stuff, because there are some people out there that get incredibly into the Star Wars universe, uh, and I am one of the people that appreciates it, but I'm not necessarily infatuated with it. For instance, I haven't seen all of the newest movies, but I love the original trilogy. I'm that kind of guy. Even with my entry-level interest in Star Wars, I would say this looks so freaking good. Uh, so with that being said, that was just one of the pieces of info that came out of the Star Wars celebration over the weekend. But exciting times to be a fan of Star Wars, without a doubt, with Episode 9 uh, coming out this year as well. Now, if you did need a new console to play Jedi Fallen Order on, you might be in the market for an Xbox One S. And if you don't mind buying digital, you might be in the market for an Xbox One S all digital. Because it's officially getting revealed this week, according to a rumor slash report. Pre-orders are rumored to open on the 16th of April, which for those doing the quick math, that's tomorrow. Also, that's not math. Another day, another rumor about Microsoft's discless Xbox One S, and this time we have reports of an imminent announcement. That's a tongue twister. The most recent rumor, this time originating from German site WinFuture via Engadget, confirms prior report that the digital game-only console will arrive on May the 7th, complete with three of Microsoft's biggest games already preloaded, Minecraft, Forza Horizon 3, and Sea of Thieves. It also shares new images of the Xbox One S all-digital console, which again, for those that might have missed the earlier reports on this, uh, it looks like an Xbox One S, but literally somebody has photoshopped out the disk drive from the front. There is little to no difference in design of this console. I want to make that very clear. It is not thinner. Uh, the only thing that is changed is the fact that it has no disk drive. Uh, and on, on top of that, the price hasn't changed much either, which we'll dive into momentarily. The latest report, however, purports the system will be unveiled this week, possibly on the 16th, and with a view to shipping on the 7th of May as previously reported. It also confirms the system will come with a single wireless controller, a one terabyte hard drive, and reportedly retail for roughly about $260. Digital Foundry's Richard Ledbetter gave his own thoughts on a potential diskless version of the Xbox One a little while back, noting that while it may not appeal much to the core gamer, he sees it as a perfect companion for Microsoft's value-laden digital-based uh, Game Pass service, which is something I can agree with as well. 
And so, uh, again, we are looking at a potential release date of May the 7th. We are looking at a potential price point of around 260 bucks. Now, the confirmed retail price, or at least the confirmed via this report retail price, is about 230 euro or about 200 pounds. So, with those measurements of, of value being given, is it adding up to what you are actually getting? Is the price worth the product? And for me, this has to be $200. This cannot be any more than $200 because of the fact that you need to show people that this is something uh, that is an accessible model of the Xbox One S and it's something that they can get on an entry level kind of way. Of course, whenever you're talking about uh, the price of an Xbox One S, traditionally, I think they run right around $300, uh, but there has been pretty much, it seems like, a constant stream of sales that knocked the price of that thing down to $250, uh, roughly. And so whenever you're thinking about the value of the Xbox One S all digital, if you want it to line up with where people traditionally associate the price of an Xbox One, uh, you need to be able to hit below that $250 price point, and I just don't think it's going to be able to do that, uh, at least not right out of the gate now if it does come out and it is sitting at 250 or roughly 260 uh, then you can potentially run the same kind of deals that you are running with an xbox one s and knock it down to about 200 bucks whenever it is on sale so now let's say in a hypothetically perfect world uh, this thing is going to be coming out of the gate and let's say these reports are wrong and it is 200 bucks this is a big deal nonetheless because a lot of people are entry-level gamers if you're listening to this podcast you probably are not one of them uh, but if you happen to be somebody who is this is a fantastic opportunity to get in on Microsoft's ecosystem and to really get your foot in the door when it comes to the gaming space and the gaming culture because with Xbox Game Pass uh, you get access to pretty much every big Xbox One game that you need on top of some pretty good games that are not necessarily uh, just Xbox exclusives. And so when you're thinking about what value the Xbox One S all digital brings to the table, it's not necessarily your end-all be-all best gaming console ever, but it is a console that is accessible. It's one that is affordable and it's one that can definitely be something that fits the needs of those that might not have, you know, incredibly extensive needs. And so I think there is a space for this, but again, I do want to reiterate that this is nothing more than an experiment. This is nothing more than a trial for Microsoft because the next generation of consoles will not be discless. You are going to be having some kind of physical hardware or physical, you know, media disc to put into your console, whether it be the PS5 or the Xbox One X2, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you are going to be having some kind of physical disc based, you know, thing that you insert to play a game. But the next generation is completely and totally up in the air, and so the adoption of the Xbox One S All Digital could be used as a measuring tool to see how interested people actually are in getting something that is a digital-only console, and I think that's really where the value of this does come from. So we will see. Again, it looks like the announcement is going to be coming tomorrow, which I think is a pretty good estimate of when you can expect this if the release date of May the 7th is to be believed. And of course, I do think it should. Uh, so we will see what exactly this entails tomorrow. And again, that price point could be off, but I think that pretty much everything we have heard so far is right on track to what I would expect from Microsoft. But again, that 260 roughly dollar price point. That's a little high for that. That's that's just a little high, especially considering the age of the Xbox One at this point, because the console generation is beginning to fade, both PS4 and Xbox One S. And so there's no point in releasing and 
a console that's this pr I, I don't know it's a weird move but again very much so an experiment and one that is likely to be discounted within the next couple of weeks uh, but let's go ahead and talk about the epic games hiring of jason west because this is a pretty big deal for those that are old school fans of old school call of duties now west of course helped turn call of duty into one of the biggest video game series of all time Epic Games has signed another big name, but this time it is not a game, but a person, Jason West, who co-founded Call of Duty Studio Infinity Ward with Vince Zampella and Grant Collier in 2002, and then split with parent company Activision under less than pleasant circumstances to launch Titanfall and Apex Legends developer Respawn Entertainment with Zampella in 2010. Word of the surprise hiring came from Game Awards creator and ever-present man on the inside, Jeff Keighley, who just tweeted it out. An Epic Games rep confirmed West hiring but did not specify his role at the company, saying only that he is contributing to Epic's development efforts. He has been out of the game development business for a while now, having left Respawn in 2013, but he amassed an impressive list of credits prior to that, including as the engineer lead on the first two Call of Duty games, the project lead on Modern Warfare, and the director of Modern Warfare 2. Respawn's current big thing is the surprise Battle Royale hit Apex Legends, but a possibly even bigger thing is its upcoming Star Wars game, Jedi Fallen Order. And to make it very clear, this article just mentioned those to get you to click on these links, because again, he has not been really connected to that since 2013. Uh, but with that being said, a lot of good information here. Uh, exciting times because again he is a man that helped turn call of duty into the worldwide sensation the famous franchise that it is today and whether you're in the gaming industry actively or whether you've taken a step back that is nothing uh that should be you know uh, thrown to the curb so to speak that's a big deal uh, and to be the director of modern warfare 2 what many people consider to be the best call of duty of all time uh, is something that should definitely be applauded and something that is very exciting for those that are fans of Epic Games and for Epic Games itself. Now the question is, what is he going to be doing? Uh, who really knows at this point? We could speculate, we could say, you know, he's working on X, he's working on Y, whatever you might say. Uh, my hope is that he is working on some kind of first-person shooter that is going to have the potential to be the next Call of Duty. That's what I would love to see. Because Call of Duty is in a weird spot right now. Battlefield is also in a weird spot, but when it came to Battlefield 5 versus Black Ops 4, I think that we can all definitively say that whether you are a Battlefield guy or a Call of Duty guy, both games are without a doubt not exactly high points of either franchise and so I think that to be able to have a new idea brought with the funding available from Epic Games to publish and to develop a big first-person shooter will potentially uh, not only bring a new game into the limelight, but also, you know, kind of push the guys behind the scenes at COD and push the guys behind the scenes at Battlefield and say, hey, there's actually some competition. Let's get going, like that kind of thing. And so uh, to be able to bring some competition in via Jason West, I think that would be a fantastic uh, move. But on top of that, he could very well just be some kind of, you know, um, director of some kind of game. He could just very well be uh, working on the back end of something. Who knows what he's actually doing? But without a doubt, a big name to have on your team and one that is very exciting for those of us that are fans of Epic Games uh, because I think there is a lot of potential behind the scenes of the Fortnite company. Of course, they've done many other things in the past, but now they are primarily known as the Fortnite company. Uh, however, let's talk about another big game, Destiny 2, because one of the biggest features that people have been wanting for a very long time is character transfers between platforms, but that did not happen in D2. Apparently because of Sony. Sony is reportedly responsible for more than locking, excuse me, 
What? Sony is reportedly responsible for more than locking, locking certain destiny. Oh, okay. I understand. Full sentences here, Sam. Full sentences. Sony is reportedly responsible for more than locking certain Destiny 2 content to the PS4. Of course, in reference to its timed exclusivity for stuff like the weapon that we talked about last week. Destiny 2 was the first game in the series to come to PC. This was a big deal for obvious reasons, but one question was on everyone's mind at the time. Will we be able to bring our console characters to PC? Because a lot of people wanted to play the game on PC. While it's true that Destiny 2 essentially started everyone off from scratch, the PC version did not launch day and date with consoles, so many had already invested dozens of hours into the console version and were hoping they won't have to start over on PC. It turns out Bungie 2 wanted the feature, specifically before the launch of Forsaken, but Sony would not allow it. On the latest episode of Kotaku's split-screen podcast via Reddit, Jason Schreier revealed that Sony blocked character transfers between platforms because it wanted people to associate Destiny with PS4. That is certainly unfortunate for Destiny players, but it's not the first time Sony's refusal to enable a feature has hurt players everywhere. The platform holder famously blocked crossplay in Fortnite and other games for months, until eventually allowing it on a case-by-case -case basis. Though games like Fortnite do support crossplay with PS4 today, smaller games do not get a similar treatment, leading many devs to simply disable the feature on PS4. But now that Bungie is fully in control of Destiny, we do hope the situation will change, even if only for platforms other than the PS4. And so, incredibly interesting story here, and I do want to make it very clear that they used the term revealed uh, for what Jason Schreier said on the Split Screen podcast. I believe that he actually said he had heard from sources on the inside, so this is nothing that has been definitively confirmed. I want to make that distinction because it's easy to say, hey, this has been revealed or this has been rumored or I heard this, something along those lines. So, let's go ahead and approach this from the perspective of speculation. This sounds completely and totally believable. Sony is a company that blows my mind because every other company is beginning to embrace each other. Xbox and Nintendo, perfect example. You are seeing Xbox and Nintendo work to bring good experiences, quality experiences, better internet infrastructure and, and, and connectivity to everyone. That is what the goal is at this point in the game. Meanwhile, you've got Sony and PlayStation back here living in 2005 where the console wars are still ravaging the gaming space. Uh, that's not the way it is in today's day and age. You don't necessarily have to thrive via exclusives. And to be quite honest with you, the exclusives are what bring value to the PS4. The Xbox One X, by all means, if you were going based off of what console is more powerful, should be the bigger console in 2019 because it is much more powerful than the PS4 Pro. But exclusives and exclusive content deals are what bring people back to the PS4 time and time again, on top of also pretty good hardware and a good design for UI, uh, but the console exclusivity is a big part of why people stick with PS4. And I understand why they would want to associate Destiny with the PS4 because that keeps people on the platform. And I think that it's worked fairly well in that regard because whenever I do think about Destiny, I think about people playing on the PS4. Uh, of course, it has grown a good bit and more people are playing on the Xbox One, more people are playing on the PC. Uh, but interesting nonetheless to see that Sony definitely, probably, had some kind of hand in keeping the, uh, the Destiny 2 character transfers completely and totally disabled. 
again, I do want to reiterate, this is a feature I would love to see because I know there are a ton of people who would absolutely take advantage of this. The game runs better on PC. The game is better on PC. It is a fantastic experience on PC. But again, when you've put, you know, let's say 100 hours into the game on PS4 and you've been grinding away on your Guardian, why would you, why would you want to start over? I mean, a lot of people do, but why would you want to start over if you could avoid that? And uh, something I think should definitely be looked into going into the next generation of consoles. And on top of that, uh, the next generation of Destiny games, Destiny content, whatever you want to call it, uh, very exciting times ahead. But right now, disappointing to see their take on that. Uh, however, of course, last week we did get some pretty good news from PlayStation that you can finally change your PSN ID. As one user on Twitter said, thank God it's finally 2008, but Sony has automatically replaced PSN IDs it deems offensive or at least it automatically replaces them when you do make them, and you'll get a placeholder name instead. When Sony finally allowed PSN online ID changes, it mentioned that you could revert to your old ID as long as it didn't violate the terms of service, but what if your existing name runs afoul of the rules? We now know what will happen. If you choose an ID that Sony deems offensive, such as swearing or bigoted language, it'll automatically assign you to a temporary alias, temp XXXX, where the X's are numbers and ask you to choose something more civil. Although that sounds harsh, it's much gentler than what Sony did before the name changes were an option. It would outright ban people who chose offending names. Imagine getting banned for that. There may be some side effects. You can keep or revert to the temporary ID if you like, which raises the possibility of users flaunting their temp IDs out of a warped sense of pride. And even so, this could be helpful for gamers looking for a chance to correct their youthful follies. Uh, indeed, it was a fantastic opportunity to correct my youthful folly. Uh, but if you did want to change your PSN ID, again, that is live. We talked about that last week. Uh, however, good to hear that they are not banning people uh, for being immature, I suppose, is the best way to put it uh, but what a strange policy that is oh you chose a username that is offensive let's not warn you about that let's just ban your account okay uh, a lot of reasons they might do that but none of which are good uh, so glad to hear that is no longer the case and now you yes you attempt one two six seven you can be perfectly and totally safe with your terrible username. Now let's talk about this actress teasing the existence of Horizon Zero Dawn's sequel. When Horizon Zero Dawn released a few years ago in 2017, the new IP from the makers of Killzone shocked and delighted players to the tune of 10 million copies. It would be absolutely no surprise to find out that the game is getting a sequel, and thus it's absolutely no surprise to hear it be teased through one of the actresses involved in the first game. According to a post on Reddit, a fan at the Star Wars Celebration talked to actress, actress Janina Gavankar. I believe I said that name correctly. Uh, you would know her if you saw her. I believe she was the main character or one of the main characters in Star Wars Battlefront 2's campaign, who most players might remember as the protagonist of Star Wars Battlefront 2's single-player campaign. There you go. Read, Sam. Read. Gavankar also played the character Tadai. Tatai? Sure, and Horizon's Frozen Wilds DLC, which prompted the fan to thank her for getting them into the game by talking about it. Just wait until you see the sequel, Gavanka replied in a now-removed Twitch clip. You're gonna die. I know some secrets. You're gonna die. Uh, I said that very menacingly. It was not said that menacingly on stream. Uh, the clip is mirrored here if you did want to watch it via a link via the link down below. 
which I mean, of course, they are making a Horizon 2. I would be shocked if that game weren't greenlit before Horizon finished development, but it was definitely greenlit by the time the DLC was out. For me, the author says, the real question is where the sequel will land. With most rumors of next-gen systems landing in 2020 and Horizon almost certainly not being announced and releasing this year, could it be a PlayStation 5 title? Perhaps, the last of, uh, like The Last of Us on PS3, a game with intentions to bring forward a generation. Uh, for me, and my own personal opinion, I think this is going to be a PlayStation 5 launch title, uh, if not that, one that releases shortly after. That just kind of makes sense. Uh, of course, PlayStation is driven by these narrative first-person uh, story experiences. That's what people love, these big AAA games that are only found on PlayStation, and that's really where the company sees its strength. Think about the biggest PS4 games in 2018. You have God of War and Spider-Man. Those are the two that come to my mind, both of which are two of the biggest games in the console space uh, in 2018. And so to see them embracing that going into the next generation of consoles would not be shocking uh, to see them really emphasizing stuff like Horizon Zero Dawn, like a kill zone, which of course we heard rumors about last week with the uh, multiplayer team beefing up over there behind the scenes at the uh, the kill zone developer. Uh, I would love to see more of the this kind of um, this kind of content come because Horizon Zero Dawn was a beautiful game. It was one that was well done. It was one that had a genuinely good narrative, uh, and of course, one that was graphically stunning. And so, when you have all of these elements coming together, I think that's when you can get a pretty good game. And especially if you are able to take the world of Horizon and use next gen tech to emphasize every little nook and cranny, and to really create just this beautiful in depth experience. A launch title like that is a console seller. And I think that's what you could have with a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. Perhaps Horizon Zero Sunset. I hope that's not what they call it. But if you were curious as to whether or not they are actually making a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, guess what? Number one, yes, duh. And number two, duh. Uh, but anyways, we will see what happens with that. But let's say you don't necessarily like the big AAA story-driven single-player games. Let's say you like streaming karaoke. And congratulations, Twitch Sings is out now for free for everyone. Twitch Sings, a karaoke game that is the first video game developed in part by Twitch itself, is now available as a free-to-play title on Windows PC. Emmett Shear, co-founder and CEO of Twitch, announced the release during his keynote address on Saturday at TwitchCon Europe in Berlin. Pause, if you did want a recap of that entire show, I broke down the biggest news and the video is up now on youtube.com slash samueladamsmedia. Shear originally announced Twitch Sings back at TwitchCon 2018 in October, introducing it as a game that Twitch was developing in conjunction with with Harmonix Music Systems, of course famous for stuff like Guitar Hero, I believe. That might have been Rockstar, hold on, or uh, Rock Band, hold on, uh, Harmon Rockstar developed, great, yeah, Grand Hero Rock 2, Harmonix, hold on, let's see. Uh, rock Band, I apologize, I always got those two mixed up. Uh, Harmonix, of course, famous for Rock Band. It seems like a natural fit for both companies. Harmonix has more than two decades of experience making games, and Twitch, as a live streaming platform, puts the focus on the activity of streaming and the attraction of itself. Of course, Twitch is not just for streaming video games. There are plenty of other categories and whatnot, uh, but I will say Twitch Things is a fantastic way uh, to engage with a community. Just before this show went live, I was actually watching uh, Retro Gaijin, I believe that's how you pronounce his username, stream some Twitch Things, and he was... Uh, killing it, number one, uh, as always, but it's a fantastic way to see people just, uh, number one, uh, completely and totally fail at karaoke, but number two, assuming the person has skill, absolutely kill it at karaoke. It's a good time. 
because karaoke brings people together and in an internet uh, ecosystem such as Twitch where you do have engagement you have something of an audience uh, karaoke thrives just because of the nature of karaoke itself and so if you are somebody who has a good set of pipes uh, this is again free tons of good songs in there saw a lot of tenacious D I uh, can definitely get behind that uh, but if you did want to check it out it's out now for everyone and again it is free and it's a fantastic way to engage your community and really bring people together and also probably bring a good bit of ridicule let's say you might not sing that well keep that in mind but it is out now if you did want to dive into it but that rounds out today's episode of caffeinate of course if you enjoyed today's show be sure to drop me a like down below if you are watching the youtube version of the show if you are joining me live i appreciate you being here and the show is hosted five days a week monday through friday at 7 a.m eastern time if you did want to check it out on twitch.tv slash the samuel adams but until tomorrow you guys have a fantastic rest of the day i will talk to you soon and peace